This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. The Meadows at Mystic Lake has modified its golf policies to follow the COVID-19 public health recommendations and welcomes you to play this award-winning public golf course. It offers a unique, challenging, and scenic golf experience. The Meadows at Mystic Lake is a full-service golfing destination, enhanced by nearby food and entertainment, including the Meadows Bar and Grill and Mystic Lake Casino Hotel. It's never too early to book a tee time or shop the pro shop. Stop in or visit GolfTheMeadows.com. That's GolfTheMeadows.com. Owned and operated by Shakopee Midwakanton Sioux Community. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and ScoreNorth.com. Yeah, overall, I think we played uh, some some pretty good baseball this series. Um, I think it's hard to uh, argue with a with a series win against a, a first place um, and a you know kind of decisively first place team that we just played. Um, you know, today today we didn't get much going on the offensive side, and um, you know we didn't uh, pound the zone the way that we needed to. Uh, you know, uh, especially towards the beginning of the game. But um, overall, we'll we'll take this series all day. And welcome into Talking Twins. That, of course, Rocco Baldelli, manager of the Minnesota Twins. Zolgad back with you. Jake DePew, as always, executive producer and co-host Declan Goff as well. Uh, All right. So for those of you who are still consuming this show, first of all, thank you. You're a patient. (laughs) Thank you. You're a patient group of people. You're baseball fans. Um, you, You obviously had high expectations, as did we. And despite... The fact that the Twins did win two or three against the Brewers, you have been let down. Uh, but Jake DePew, I want to start here, and, and it's in reference to a column that Jim Suhan wrote in today's Star Tribune. And I think this was off Rocco's access from yesterday on Zoom, so I don't think it's an exclusive. But nonetheless, Jim did delve into it. And um, from Rocco Baldelli's standpoint, this is a very interesting thing, Jake, for him to say. And it's going to send off send us off on a lot of different threads uh, because for a manager or a GM or a president of baseball operations to talk about this, I think speaks volumes to the realization of where a franchise is, okay? So during the course of the conversation, Rocco used the word rebuild to describe what the Twins are going to be going through. And then here's the quote off of his use of the word rebuild, according to Suhan's column. Rocco, these type of conversations, they don't throw me off or frustrate me personally in any way. This is the way that you have to rebuild yourself on a regular basis in this game, especially in an organization that does not have the payroll of the Dodgers or the Yankees. Your reaction to the fact that that's, to me, that's very much a, if you're talking about us being good in 2022, you might want to slow your roll. Yeah, I'm surprised. 
you know, I, I agree with him. I'm surprised he said that so openly. Uh, I haven't read Two Hands column yet, full disclosure, but I, I will. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm really surprised he acknowledged that. Uh, to me, that's reality. You know, I mean, they when you look at their starting rotation going into 2022, assuming Kenta Maeda has Tommy John on Wednesday, and it's sure looking like that's the case. I know they don't know for sure until they uh, get him in, into surgery, but let's assume he's out for 2022. You know, Pineda is a free agent. Uh, so you have really nobody, no established starters coming back in 2022. And, and, and so they're going to rely, I think, mostly on prospects. And, and the fact that they that he brought up payroll, that's interesting, too. I'm, I'm surprised he said that as well. Uh, but that would suggest, you know, they're not going to go sign a big starter in free agency. And, of course, he doesn't have to bring up payroll for us to know that it's very unlikely they're going to sign, you know, a Max Scherzer type in free agency. So, you know, when I look at the rotation going into 22, it's Bailey Ober who's done well for sure. Uh, and then a number of, of question marks, you know, I mean, who, who's going to be in that equation, you know, uh, Joe Ryan, probably uh, Duran and Johan Duran, but he's been hurt almost all of this year. Belzovic has been up and down uh, and he's been hurt. Winder's been hurt. Um, you know, Griffin Jacks uh, and Charlie Barnes have, have not performed well at the major league level. I know they're rookies and and they're still, you know, a, a chance they could get better. But, you know, I, I look at the, their pitching as basically five or at least four question marks uh, with, with Ober looking more or less like a lock. Uh, they certainly have talent on the position player side. There's no question about that. But uh, between the starting rotation and question marks in the bullpen, it's just hard to see them filling enough gaps, you know, via free agency or via prospects coming up and immediately performing well and being effective. To, to compete for a division title in 22. Could they compete for a wild card, especially if there's expanded playoffs? That's possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but I think we are looking more at a rebuild and a retool, which is what we've kind of been saying on here for the last few weeks. But of course, that differs from the narrative that we've heard from Falvey in particular over the last few months, which is, which is that it's a retool, not a rebuild. Um, and I think they're starting to realize that, no, this is going to be a, at least a two-year rebuild. How are we to feel about this then, too? And, and I guess I, I say this, guys, from multiple different angles. One is um, these guys who, by the way, for a couple of years did a great job. So, like, I'm not I, – I don't think that it's fair, as embarrassing as the playoff loss streak is, I don't think it's fair to just dismiss uh, the, the fact that you won back-to-back American League Central titles. But how are we to feel about this from – the angle of, I mean, 2021-22 is supposed to be right in the sweet spot of success. And the lack of success is largely due to, and this is not all bad luck, this is your own decisions, a lack of pitching, and these guys were hired for pitching. How are we to feel about in 2019 when you had a team that set a major league record with 307 home runs, Jake, and you had a really good club? I, I Everything was gelling. And you went out and made, you know, trades for Sam Dyson, who turned out to be a bad guy and a terrible pickup because he was damaged goods. Sergio Romo, who was fine, but certainly not an impact guy. And you basically told us back then, hey, just wait. The window is the window's ajar now, but by 2021 and 22, it's going to be wide open. The frustration in that sense that Twins fans probably feel is genuine and I think it's deserved. And and really this is tough for me for any team that's fallen apart in this town. And this team has fallen apart. This is one of the toughest ones for me to process because in some ways it does seem inexcusable. 
Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I mean, I think Twins fans have a right to be frustrated. That I, I think the front office um, has really dropped the ball. That you know they we, we've talked about this all all season, but you know they dropped the ball in the playoffs, but they really dropped the ball obviously in 2021. I mean, this was supposed to be right in the middle of their window, like you said. Uh, all of their free agent signings really were performed terribly with the Twins. I mean, there there really isn't a single free agent signing other than Nelson Cruz, um, and that's a little bit different because he was coming back. But uh, yeah, I mean, the, the pitching they brought in has been awful, uh, and. You know, they do have a number of good prospects on the pitching side. There's no question, but they haven't brought any of them up to the big league level uh, and seen any success other than Bailey Ober. We're now starting to see that. So, um, you know, I've said for a long time, I think the goal of this front office is to be consistently competitive, consistently give themselves a chance. And they and they've, I think, more or less said that. Uh, And. Right now, as we enter, as we look at, you know, a terrible 2021 and entering a rebuild in 2022, they failed at that task. They weren't competitive in 18. They certainly have not been competitive in in 21. And I don't think they're going to be competitive in 22. So I don't blame any fans for being frustrated by the lack of pitching development and the lack of having a consistently solid team, uh, as the front office has said, is, is their goal, you know? So, yeah, I I mean, I'm on record as saying I would give them one more year uh to to develop these starters I, I i wouldn't i wouldn't fire them at the end of this year i would give them one more year but if these if these starting pitchers don't come up and perform well in 2022 and really show signs that they're ready uh then it, you know at, at that point they'll be six years in and they won't really have developed anyone on the starting pitching side so um i, I think it's kind of make or break time in 2022 not necessarily in terms of competing because i don't think they're going to compete but in terms of seeing real development at the major league level with their pitchers what does the rotation need to look like then in 22 um assuming we start on time what does the rotation need to look as far as the prospects that we need to see come up and also what they need to go out and get because i'm not sure just saying we're rebuilding now i'm not sure it works i I mean i get it but that's a lot of season tickets that you're just going to punt on. Cause I mean, there's a lot of people in, you know, coming out of a pandemic in a very competitive and really not that big market for uh, sports and entertainment to just be like, well, it's not working. So, Hey, you know, it's a, it's a redo of 2013 or something like that. When it comes to this uh, staff, this executive staff, Jake, how many of these pitchers do you need to see in the rotation and how much do you think that they need to go at least get outside help that's for instance not named Jay Happ or Homer Bailey or Matt Shoemaker I mean they're going to have to get outside help you, you can't rely on five essentially rookies I guess Ober will probably have used up his rookie um, eligibility this year but basically five rookies uh, in the starting rotation. You can't, you can't rely on that, you know, and, and those guys are all going to be on innings limits. We've seen that with Ober this year. He's, he's on an innings limit. I'm sure Duran and Balzovic and Winder and all these guys who've been hurt will be on innings limits. So like you can't count on them to pitch 200 innings or anything close to that in 2022. So they're going to have to go get some innings eaters, but that's not going to be Max Scherzer. You know, it's not going to be these top line starters. It's going to be more of the Michael Pineda level, you know, solid guys, around four ERA who can give you 150 to 200 innings. Uh, so I think they have to sign at least two of those type, types of guys. And then they're just going to filter in all of these prospects if they can actually get healthy again. Like this is a huge concern. Winder's had arm issues. Duran's had arm issues. Canarino's had arm issues. Belazovic has been injured. So like, 
Yeah, but besides uh, that, know, it's all fine. I mean, quit being negative. Right, right, right. And, uh, you know, I, I think those guys are good prospects. But, like, again, even if they're fully healthy, we can't expect more than probably, you know, 100 to 150 innings from those guys. So it's going to be a group effort in 2022 just to fill enough innings, and, and they're going to have to get outside help. There, there's just no question. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, do, do we think that – so we're pretty sure – in fact, I, I think he's – said this in his Zoom press conference on Saturday. Maeda thinks he's going to have to have Tommy John, so he's going to miss all of 22. The problem is he's not a kid. So when he comes back then in 2023, possibly, he's going to be, what, 34? 35. Yeah, 35. 35. So the problem there, and again, this is why you need to try to win when your window is open. You know, last year you get a really great season. I mean, Maeda was fantastic. He's the what finished in second place in the the Cy Young voting uh, to Bieber. He's absolutely great. And again, you don't really you're not aggressive enough when it really counts to say let's take our shot. Um, and right now, I think that's sort of if we we had to do an epitaph on on Falvey and Levine and these twins. That's sort of the thing on their gravestone is that, you know, 2019, we just all assumed, oh, yeah, they're right. It's going to be great for years to come. And then last year, oh, yeah, it's going to be fine. And now you say to yourself, okay, this thing might take another year or two or, you know, for sure, if if they're talking about a rebuild two years. So it's just so interesting to me that they haven't and didn't go in and capitalize and say, at the very least, we're really going to try to win a damn playoff series. And unfortunately, that's where they're very similar to, I think, the Terry Ryan and Bill Smith regimes that that both of those guys um, had consistently competitive teams for the most part. Uh, There were some obviously uh, some dark days in, uh, you know, between 2011 and uh, 17. Uh, But, you know, they did well. They made the playoffs a lot, but they never went all in, whether it's like not trading for Cliff Lee back in what, like 2010 or whatever. Uh, there are a number of examples of them just not going all in. And we, we're seeing the same thing with, with Falvey and Levine. They're very different in their approaches and their use of analytics and things like that. But, but that is a similarity. And 19 was a, a huge missed opportunity to do that. Um, and we've hit them for that, but to not get a starter at the deadline, um, even even if you didn't know that Pineda was going to be suspended, I believe he was like in, under the appeals during the he was in the appeals process. He was. Um, he, he was. Yeah, you're correct. And I and I don't know if they knew about that or not. I, I know that the front office. I, I don't believe they're necessarily informed about that. I think it would be up to the player to tell them. But still, even if you thought Pineda was there for the playoffs, I don't think a rotation in 19 of Barrios, Odorizzi, and Pineda is good enough to bring you to a World Series. I think that's a fine rotation. That's solid. Um, but I still think if, if you really want to make a World Series run, you need to go out and get a horse, an ace, you know, or somebody close to that level. Yep. Uh, and so the failure to to not only not get an ace, but not get any starter at all, um, it, it was a it was a big miss. I mean, that was a historically good offense. They won, what, 101 games. Um, and it, it's a lesson for them that when you have a shot, you have to go all in. And if you look at the way that a lot of these teams have acted mm-hmm. um, that have won the World Series or gone to World Series, they have gone all in at the deadline. They have traded for that, you know, for the Astros trading for Garrett Cole or, or Granke or whatever. Um, you know, I, I think that's the move. And of course, it's risky or the Cubs trading for Aroldis Chapman, for example, um, and giving up what Glaber Torres, I believe. Um, it's a risky move. 
but at some point you have to push your chips in. And we haven't seen that with this organization in over the last two decades, really over multiple front offices. And it, it, it is, in my opinion, a mistake. At some point you have to really go for it. And they're just not doing that. Yeah, in 2019, I think if you look at the two guys that they probably should and were realistic targets and targets they should have won after were Marcus Stroman and Robbie Ray. And Robbie Ray has turned into a very nice pitcher in Toronto. I believe he's a UFA at the end of this year, so he'll be a free agent. Marcus Stroman, same situation. But even just to put Stroman or put Robbie Ray as the number two going into that Yankees series, it could have changed the entire dynamic of how it goes. And you were afraid to do that because you probably didn't want to give up Brent Rooker. You know, you probably were afraid to give up a Balazovich. You were afraid to basically give up on something. And now the window to get back into contention is two years from now at probably at best. So it's, it's a frustrating part of this regime because you know, in this off season, this winter to Jake's point earlier, you know, like they're probably going to go after the Danny Duffy's of the world, like James Paxton, you know, like guys who probably are more part of a rebuilding phase than they are moving the needle and getting you excited for the 2022 season. Are they innings eaters and are they, you know, average quality starting pitching? Yes, but they're not going to do anything that makes you think, oh, here comes 85 wins and flirting with a wild card or, oh, here comes here. We can we here we go and we're going to be right up there at the White Sox. Like it's basically a holding pattern. And, and from a business standpoint, I get that. But it's frustrating when you go back to 19 and 20 when that window was right there and you were scared to give up on Brent Rooker. And now here we are entering most likely another rebuilding phase. The frustrating thing, too, about this entire conversation is, is this. And I feel like this extends back to Terry as well. Um, but it's exactly right. What frustrates me is the fact that this team in the last, I don't know, 20 years plus always has an excuse. Mm -hmm. The first one is, you know, we went out and got Donaldson, but you know, when it comes to Wheeler, we made him a good offer, but he wanted to be in Philadelphia and they made him a better offer and we can't match that. And, and, you know, in Baldelli's comment in Suhan's column, he says it again, you know, when you're dealing with teams like the Yankees and Dodgers, it's tough to compete because they can spend more, which is very true, but that's excuse one. Okay. I'm almost willing to give you that one because those teams have the ability to spend irresponsibly. And often if it doesn't work, they're just like, Hey, Dude, go home, sit on your couch, we'll pay you. We've got a guy who's going to replace you. The Minnesota Twins and a lot of teams don't have that. But here's where I get really frustrated and there's no excuse. And this tracks back to 19 and to a certain degree last year. There is no excuse for not making a deal at the deadline if you can put yourself over the top or give yourself that chance. The Minnesota Twins are built to do that. They are built to make trades at the deadline to improve themselves and maybe even get a pending free agent who's going to walk. But guess what? If you get to a World Series and win it, no one's going to give a damn. And I will point to, and this is the thing that, in my opinion, the best GM of the Twins in their history, Andy McPhail, was willing to do. Um, If you go back to the Twins team that won the World Series, look at the moves that that team had made. They made a lot of moves. They acquired uh, they acquired Jeff Reardon from the Expos. Go back and look at that trade, and I don't, don't know if back then they ranked prospects like they do now, but they traded a catcher by the name of Jeff Reed. Jeff Reed was a top prospect catcher, but you know what the Twins didn't have? A good closer. Um, they traded in 86, and I forget if this is pre-McPhail or right around that time, in 86. 
They traded a shortstop by the name of Jay Bell, one of the top prospects in baseball, to Cleveland in the Blylevin deal. Why? They needed starting pitching help. So the Twins have done this, but they are built to make those type of trades to try and maximize on what they consider to be rosters that are ready to pop. I don't think they ever have the luxury of doing, in retrospect, what Thad Levine said in 2019, which is, the window's ajar and we'll know when it's open. You don't have that. 2019, throw the window open. Don't let it open by itself. And so that's far more frustrating to, to me than the than the free agent signings because that I almost sort of get. But when you have that 2019 team and you come back and say, here's Sam Dyson and Sergio Romo, okay, that doesn't work for me. And that's where it's frustrating, and that's where I feel like, again, we're ending up in the same place that we did with the previous regime now of, I mean, you guys, they won two or three against the Brewers. But here are your starting pitchers. Andrew Albers, who was here in 2013 and 16 and was very much part of the dreck of those Twins teams. Charlie Barnes, who I'm not quite sure belongs here ever. Um, and Griffin Jacks, who is the guy that lost and got hit hard. Uh, the Twins brought in a, a reliever. I don't know his name, and I'm proud of this. Late in yesterday's game who I've never heard of in my life, another guy that they just called up, another slappy that they just called up. So this is where you need to capitalize when the opportunity presents itself and not give me the old, the window will fly open by itself like magic. No, it won't. You throw it open. You had a chance to. And because you didn't now, we're looking at this this team and lamenting, uh, rightfully so, 2019. Yeah, and if you... If you look at the Rays, so the Rays are in obviously even worse financial, uh, a f- worse financial situation than the Twins for sure. They understand that they have a legitimate shot to win the World Series this year, and what did they do? They traded for Nelson Cruz. They gave up Joe Ryan, a very good pitching prospect, and Drew Strotman, a, a solid pitching pro- prospect, to get Nelson Cruz because they needed a DH, right? Like they needed a DH the way these Twins teams have needed pitching, and they went out and got him, and they're paying his full the rest of his salary for, for this year, even though, you know, their payroll is, is tiny. So that's a big hit for them, but they understand that that's what they need to get over that hump. Now, to be fair to the twins, they did trade for Kent Maeda in the off season of 2020. So, so they, they did understand that to some extent, mm-hmm. um, they obviously failed in 2019, but they did trade for Maeda. The problem is they didn't use Maeda in the playoffs, the way he should have been used. They pulled him after like 80 pitches and they pulled Barrios after 80 pitches when both of those guys were pitching well. So it's like, if you're going to trade for those guys or um, if you have a Barrios, then use him, especially when, when they're pitching well. So not only did they, um, you know, not get the help they need, certainly in 19, um, you know, they did get some help in 20, but then when you combine that with pulling these guys early in the playoffs, yep. uh, it's just, it's just not a good look. So, yeah, I mean, the, Again, the Rays, if the Rays can do it, then the Twins can do it because the Rays payroll is tiny, right? So, yeah, it's a missed opportunity. It's a big one. And now we're looking at a rebuild. Yeah, and and I think the frustrating part, maybe some Twins fans think, what are you talking about? They have pulled off successful trades before. You know, like the, like the Shannon Stewart trade, a great trade, right? Like It would end up being an MVP finalist, basically, over the last three months of the season. Uh, getting Orlando Cabrera in 2009 to be like, oh, that nice little supplemental shortstop that gives you a little spark and edge to give you a push run. I'm not talking, I don't think any of us are referencing those trades. 
you can make those trades. Those trades are also kind of a luck of a draw that you didn't think that it would come up to this 100th percentile. I'm talking about a trade that at the moment that puts your franchise over the top long term and with championship aspirations, right. not looking for the cute plug and play and the fun little deadline move that barely moves the needle. No, a legitimate trade offer to go get, you know, I'm just spitballing Justin Verlander three years ago or four years ago, like an actual legitimate trade steam that puts your team in the ballpark of a team like the Dodgers or like the Yankees you're, just once. You're talking about trading and, and look in 19, this would have made sense. You are talking about potentially trading Royce Lewis. Because that's going to get you an ace. Um, and the problem is, he's still not here. He's hurt constantly, and he might be great someday. I don't know, but he ain't a kid now, right? Um, hoarding prospects, hoarding top prospects is often probably smart. But, Dex, to what you're saying, in 19, if you could have gone and gotten that ace, and, and again, it might have been a pending free agent who walked. But, you know, if you take a shot, a lot of people are going to say, I applaud that. So I, I'm yeah. I'm with you, and I totally get what you're saying. We're not talking about nice little trades right. where, oh, you know, Shannon Stewart, unbelievable. Um, I can't believe that. That was fun. We're talking about, oh, my God, what did you just do? Like, do you think also like the like Royals fans who were dormant in the basement of the AL Central for 14, 13, 12 years, and then all of a sudden they literally mortgaged the entire farm to go get Cueto and basically bolster their entire World Series odds. And now, once again, they're going to be bad again. They've been bad for four years now, <laughs> and they're bad. They'll be bad for a decade afterwards. And I would bet 99.99% of those Royals fans would say, worth it. Worth it yeah. every single time. Jake? Absolutely. Oh, I, I completely agree. I, I, I would much rather be a, in that Royals fan base where, yes, they're consistently bad, but then they, they totally went for it, as Dex said. They got to two World Series, they won one of them. To me, that's much preferable in terms of uh, front office, uh, you know, the moves that they make than just kind of always being, you know, kind of right there and but never going all in. Uh, I, I don't think – I think if you look at the teams that won the World Series – uh, over the last, you know, two decades, you know, we, we could, I could go back and look at this for next week or whatever. I would guess almost all of them made a big time acquisition at, at the trade deadline, you know, to get that arm that pushes them over the top. There aren't many teams that just make these minor trades uh, a, and go on a run. I think, I think if you really want to to get to a world series and win a world series, you have to take more risks than the twins have. Um, and, and again, as you guys are saying, like, <laughs> We went through 19 and 20. They didn't win a single playoff game, and now the window is closed. So, like, you know, all this prospect hoarding, was it was it really worth it? You no. know? Uh, it, I don't think it was. I don't think it was. No. I'd, I'd rather see you go for it and fail than, than just never go for it and, and consistently, you know, be kind of in the, that 85 to 90 win range. And you might always be um, or often competitive, but if you're the Twins, you are not always going to be in the mix for a championship. Like, you're just not. And, no. and and when Rocco says we can't compete financially with the Yankees and Dodgers, that's an acknowledgement of, hey, sometimes it's not going to work. We can debate that, but the reality is when you are presented, and I don't care if it's Derek Falvey or Terry Ryan or Andy McPhail, when you're presented with the opportunity that this team was for two years, you can't just be like, okay, we've turned the corner of success and now every year is going to be special. I mean, we know that's not how sports work now. They might have at, at one time. You know what? 
in the old days in baseball, when when you didn't have free agency and guys were tied to teams, you know, and Harmon Killebrew was going to be here forever, it was a different story. But with the way that baseball now works and the financial pitfalls and issues of the sport, um, if you're the Twins and you get good, you got to pounce on that you, that puppy. You got to be like, okay, we're good. How do we win in the playoffs? How do we get to a World Series? And Declan's Kansas City points perfect. Like that's you. You might not like it, but that's you. That's that's the reality that you're going to be that when you hit that sweet spot of our prospects are maturing, starting to come up, but they're not going to get it done by themselves, right? Um, think about this. How would we all feel right now if if just to pick a year, the 2015 Twins had won a World Series and the team is currently where it is right now? How would we all oh, feel? I'd feel great. I'd be, I'd be fine. I'd feel great. Yeah, I'd be fine. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. think you're right. Absolutely. Because, because where you don't want to be is stuck in that middle. Yeah. That's the worst place to be in any, almost any professional sport. Maybe hockey is an exception because there's a lot of randomness in the playoffs. You guys would know that better than I would. Not but really. No, baseball, you're right. <laughs> yeah. I agree yeah, with you. Certainly in, in, base, yeah, in, in baseball, for sure, you either want to be one of those teams that's really got a shot or you want to be stripping it all down and rebuilding. And the Twins, I think, have consistently been uh, in that middle phase uh, way too often. You either got to go for it or you got to strip it all down. Look at Detroit and Cleveland, two teams in their division. They had runs where they went to World Series. They were consistently making the playoffs. And now they're stripping it down and rebuilding. Right. But they they got there. I mean, Cleveland was one game away from winning a World Series. Detroit went to a World Series and a couple of ALCSs. Like, um, I think that's a much better mold than than what the Twins have done over these last two decades. Absolutely. All right, last thing, sir. Byron Buxton is back. What's your expectation? Um, my expectation is that he will continue to be the Byron Buxton we saw in April. I know he had a tough first series against Milwaukee. Uh, I, I'm not overly concerned about that. we got to give him a little time to, to adjust. Um, but I think if he stays healthy, he'll start producing uh, the, way, the, the way he did in April. I think if you're a Twins fan, you want to tune into every Bucks in a bat that you can for the rest of the season because I, I, I could be wrong and I hope I'm wrong, but I think there's a pretty good chance that they're going to move him uh, because I think you know he only has one year left on his deal. And if they see this as a rebuild now and they don't want to commit $100 million or more to him, then they're going to trade him for, for more prospects. And that would be massively disappointing, but that's what I think is going to happen. Okay. Let's just say that that, that happens. How do you guys feel on the day he's traded? Declan? I'd be pretty bummed. Um, I think that would also, uh, uh, and you know what? I would like to know what the return is. Like if it's a legitimate piece that is coming back right now, okay, I'm, I, I might be not as upset, but I'd be, I'd be disappointed. I think that would be the cherry on top of the, of the disappointment of this regime. That would, that would signify that we are punting and we're going to be entering a three to four year rebuild. Jake? I agree with what Dex said completely. I would be really disappointed, again, unless you get back a major league piece. If they trade him for a legit starter, um, then maybe that's a little bit different. But I still commit to Buxton, and I know it's risky. It is super risky to commit to Buxton. But to, to go back to our earlier conversation, at some point you have to take big risks. And I think even if you're not going to compete in 22, you want Buxton around for 23, 24, and 25, and you are going to compete because he's such a talented, dynamic player. At some point, I think he will stay healthy over a full season and play 120, 130 games and be, be available in October. And if you if 
that doesn't happen, then you took a risk and it didn't pay off. But I'd rather take that risk and commit to a generational talent like Buxton than than to trade him for prospects. Great stuff, sir. We, we'll talk to you next week, Jake DePew. Declan, thank you very much. Talking Twins. And again, if you are still watching and you made it <laughs> to the end, thank you. We appreciate you. Um, we'll talk to you later. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Venture X from Capital One is the travel card for people always asking, Where next? You earn 10x miles on hotels and rental cars and 5x miles on flights booked through Capital One Travel and 2x miles on everything else you buy with Venture X. Plus, receive premium travel benefits like access to over 1,300 airport lounges. The Venture X card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details.